Good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Always good to be together. Uh, always good to be together. Last Sunday of the month, we get to fellowship and eat together. So always looking forward to that. And again, there's no better place for you to be this morning than right here in the assembly in the gathering of Christians and in the church. And God bless you for being here. Good to be together as Christians. Um, we want to continue to worship God and think about the words that have been revealed in Scripture. So this morning we are going to finish our study from the book of Revelation. And so we'll be in Revelations chapters 21 and 22. And the song we just read is so fitting. The battle belongs to the Lord is a great description and a wonderful summary. And I'm sure Richard planned that out. I don't know. He might have. But it might have been he was thinking about it. And like this song needs to be sung. So that would be great because it, it is. It is a wonderful summary of everything we've been studying in the book of Revelation about how God blesses us with victory. And he blesses the first Christians and what they endured in persecution. He gives us power and authority now as we reign with Christ to be victorious over the powers of Satan and any other dark forces. And the Bible has thoroughly armed us for that. And Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that. And we get to see about the great blessings that will come in the day of judgment, the overcoming of, of any kind of persecution that we read about throughout the book of Revelation. And then we get to that great blessing that we're going to get to today. And we're going to look at this subject. I know that we've looked at different angles at the, what the Bible has to say about the heavenly country, the heavenly homeland, about a new heaven, a new earth, the place of eternal, our, our eternal dwelling, and the new Jerusalem. So we're going to look a little bit more at the details about that this morning from Revelation 21 and 22. And I'm excited about that. Exciting to finish a series on the book of, of Revelation. It's a blessing to be able to preach on this, and I, I very much appreciate those who requested to go back through and, and to study this book again. And we'll be back here according to our schedule. If you don't have the reading schedule, you can get that. We'll be back in Revelation next August. So how convenient is that? So, oh, and I want to add this as well. Coming this Wednesday night, we will gather together on Wednesday night to discuss the things that we've been studying from the book of Revelation. So instead of doing our reading that was scheduled for 1 Peter, I would encourage you to read five chapters from Revelation. I probably recommend Revelation 6 through 11. That's one of the more harder sections there you might have most questions from. And then we will get together on Wednesday night and have a thorough discussion on the book of Revelation. So I encourage you to be here and be a part of that if you can. Let's pray together. Our Holy Father, we revere you and we love you. We know who you are and we know your love. We know your forgiveness and we, we know the great blessings you've given through us, given to us through Jesus Christ. We ask your blessings upon us this morning that you strengthen us by your Holy Spirit and that, Father, you guide us in the word that has been revealed uh, from your spirit, Father. May we continue to lean upon the words of Scripture to understand them this morning and that we lean upon the words of Christ and we continue to be edified and lifted up by what you have given us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Revelation chapters 21. And we're going to start right there in the very beginning in a moment. We'll use that as our expo exposition. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. And just start off here just thinking about the things that we read about in Scripture. And you, I think one thing we need to think about is the idea of heaven. And I hope that we think about it in this way. Did God create heaven? Well, God has an eternal abode, and where He dwells is heaven. 
Now, Jesus does say in John chapter 14, he goes away to prepare a place for us. And that appears to be the new Jerusalem and the dwelling of eternal life for his people. And that would be a heavenly, in the heavenly realm. But as far as God's throne, Isaiah 66 and verse 1 says that all of heaven is God's throne. That is the dwelling and where he lives and where he is, that is it. When we go to books like uh, Genesis chapter 1 and we start to read what we read elsewhere in Scripture about there being three heavens. There's the heaven in which God is dwelling, which is not created. It is the place where God has always been. Now, when we read Genesis 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and there he has created the cosmos, and he's created heaven. And then a little bit further down in Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, you see that again God creates the heavens. Well, is, is that a contradiction? How can he create again? And how can he create heaven? And of course, what we're reading is, is we got heaven where God dwells. We've got heaven in the sense of the cosmos. And then there in Genesis, you've got heaven as in the atmosphere of the earth, the separation of the waters that we read about there. I infer that's referring to the atmosphere. So did God create heaven? Well, if we're talking about the heavens and the earth, yes, uh, the, in that sense. But in the place of his eternal dwelling, we see here in passages like Psalm 11 that this is eternal. And the reason I want to stress this is I don't want us to come away with the perception that, that uh, you know, heaven is being made, that it isn't, hasn't been created yet. But what we have being made for us is God's wonderful reward and this heritage that we're going to read about that we get from John chapter 14. So we're going to read more about that heavenly homeland that God promises to us, that holy city that Christ has promised to us, that we read about in the Bible. And so we're going to look at that further this morning. And I think that first point we're looking at, I think it's important to stress. I know that I've heard some say, well, when you die, you don't go to be in heaven, but you go to a paradise separate from heaven. And I would strongly disagree with that. And there's a number of scriptures to indicate otherwise. Yes, Jesus said to the thief on the cross today, uh, you will be with me in paradise. Well, where is paradise? Second Corinthians chapter 12 says paradise is in heaven. And furthermore, we read in places like Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse, verse 4 or verse 8, that says there that when we die, we go to be with Christ. And where is Christ? The Bible says completely over and over again that now he has ascended to the right hand of God. He is in heaven. So when you die, you go to be in heaven. And you await for that final day of judgment. And when Christ comes back, we who are faithful will be resurrected. We will bodily rise from the dead. Christ has promised this. John chapter 5, 28 and 29. John chapter 6, 39 and 40. And I can keep citing passages on the subject of that bodily resurrection. So we look forward to that. That's what we're going to have a part of. And in that body, which Christ has his body now, his immortal body that he resurrected with, and which we will join in him. We will be resurrected like him. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 14 tells us. And 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22 tells us the same thing. So we're going to be resurrected like him. And Colossians 2, 9 says he is the fullness of God bodily right now. We're going to go dwell and live with him. And so if we were to die today, we go to be with Christ. We go to be there in heaven. And then on the final day, that place that's being prepared... We will be resurrected to live in what we're going to read about this morning, the holy city. And of course, this would be in the heavenly realm as well. Everything that I read, that's what I see. All right, so let's go to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. We're going to make some observations here from the text. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8. 
And this is what we read. So John sees, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. We just read about that at the end of chapter 20. And then it says in verse 2, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is that city that was promised over and over again throughout the book of Isaiah and other prophets in the Old Testament that would be given to us. And the holy city is both a place and it also represents the people. We're going to see more about that. So and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her, her husband. So when you think about the bride of Christ, you'll probably think about Ephesians chapter 5, where the bride of Christ is the church. And this is the abode of the church. And when Christ comes, you get a picture of that final marriage that we see when Christ's coming it's depicted as a marriage that's from Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. And you remember the, the parable of the ten virgins? And so there you have Christ there being the husband. He's prepared his house and he's going to get his bride and bring her home, which was the way in which it was done in Jewish culture. I think it's a be very beautiful concept there when you're, when you're reading this about what is happening. All right, look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And I look forward to that. God's dwelling will be man with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Look at verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. No more shall there be death. No more separation of the spirit and the body. That's what death is. No more tears in the eyes because in the sense of which God will wipe away all those tears. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And I look forward to that. I want that. And so I see the promise of God right here. And this is a part of the hope. This is what we should get excited for. This is the victory that we've been reading for throughout the book. It was promised to the churches in, in parts and bits there in Revelation 2 and 3. You can go back and read it, and we, get in the, we have the full picture here. All right, and we're getting more of it. Let's keep reading verses 5 through 8. And it says in verse 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. Why? We keep reading. And also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son or be my child. Verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Um, when we look at this in the full picture, and we look at the new heavens and new earth, we know which side we want. We know the one we want to be a part of. And we see John stressing there, don't be a part of the wickedness of the world. Don't give in to it. Be a part of God's holy people. Obey His Word. He's given you the power and the ability to obey Him. There's no other way to eternal life than through Christ and by the means and the power and strength that He gives us. And I hope in the next few weeks I'll get to preach on that more as well. But this is what we see here in Revelation 21, what we've, what we've read. We're seeing after the resurrection and the judgment day, John saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old had passed away. 
This is what we read about in Isaiah chapter 65. This is what we read about in 2 Peter chapter 3 and the details of it. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we see that the old earth, the old heavens burn up with fire. And then God, it says there, creates a new heaven and a new earth. 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. We keep reading here, we read of the new Jerusalem, the holy city that came down from God that has been prepared for his people. It's also representing his people as a pride, as a, as a bride. And so there they will dwell. And there the names of the city and everything, the qualities of it, we see resembling that of the church. All right, and then verse 3, we've seen this. The meaning of this is clear that God's dwelling is with humanity, with man and with his people. And what we've read, he will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death. And then we get, it says here, that God creates new. Well, why do that? Why did God create everything in the very beginning? Why did he create heavens and the earth? And I believe, I think it's very clear, the reason he does that and what I read in Genesis chapter 1 is that we know God is good. He's good completely in every way. All goodness comes from Him. And so when God created, you remember that? It says after He created each thing, it was good. It was good. And when He created man in His own likeness, it was very good. And why does God create again? Because it is a part of His goodness. It is a part of what He does. That He creates what is good. And all things work for good for those who love Him. And that's what we've been seeing here in the book of Revelation. We also see this. We see here the declaration of God and of Christ. Christ throughout, and what we've been seeing from God, uh, from, from even the book of Isaiah, that God says, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And that is absolutely true. And God here, what we're also seeing with the New, New Jerusalem is that it's called a heritage. And it's given to His children. I know my translation said son there, and the Greek word there infers any uh, son or daughter, any child of God, but God creates the heritage that he gives to his children. So God is creating something new. And this is not, again, he has his eternal heaven, but he is creating a place for us where when we're resurrected from the dead and we receive our glorious bodies that we read about in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, that we will dwell in this place. And then lastly, you have this message throughout the book of Revelation. It is to give us endurance to give us courage as Christians. Whatever trials, whatever tribulations, whatever persecution, whatever hardships we have in life, that we will endure. That nobody will move us away from Christ. That we will not be cowards, but we are to be conquerors. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why the battle belongs to the Lord and we trust in Him. We keep that song in our heart and we keep these words from Revelation and we become what is intended by the book of Revelation, that we are to endure and to be conquerors, that God gives us the ability to conquer, that He is the ultimate conqueror. And then the description there of those who are sinful, those who are detestable, those who are given over into sin. And the first thing that's noted there are cowards. Cowards. I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to live my life by fear. I want to live it in the faith in God and trusting in Him. The book of Revelation gives me that strength because I know God's promises here that He gives me victory. He gives me, a, he gives me eternal life. He gives me a heritage because I am His child. God promises us a holy city and a heavenly homeland as we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 10 and 16. And there we will live eternally in those bodies that have been resurrected from the dead. And remember about Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter. And we look at the example of those who live by faith because they realize that they were just pilgrims in this world. They were just traveling to get to where they were to go, to the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem that God has promised for them. So why would you want to live in the new Jerusalem? Why would you want to live in this place? I think we've already got enough descriptions of just one through eight. I'd be content right there and say, I'm going there. I want to be a part of that. But as we keep reading, God doesn't stop here. He gives us other details. And the details of this new Jerusalem, and I know a lot of it is symbolic, is telling us the nature of it and the nature of the people who are going to live there. So what do we see about the holy city, this new Jerusalem that is described here? Again, the angel took John and he says he takes him to see the bride of the Lamb. So we're seeing here the new Jerusalem being the place of which the church abides and its eternal home together and united, where God dwells among his people. On a great high mountain, the angel showed him the holy city, Jerusalem. We're going to read some details about that in a moment. But this is what we see here. The glory of this city, the beauty of it, the details of it, they reflect the glory of God's people. And what we've seen throughout the Bible is God wants his people. And he wants to create his people and he wants holy people to follow him. We've seen that from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's who we're to be. People who are separate, who are consecrated, who are saints. That's what it means to be holy. We live a different kind of life. A life in faith and a life that's dedicated to living in purity. The way that God wants us to live. And so we get in here, we're going to, as you start reading this, you get some of these details. Read about the city gates. There's 12 of them. Now, a lot of this is, is symbolism. If it's literally like this, that'd be wonderful. If it's, if, it's, if it's different and I find out that a lot of these details are merely symbols, then I'm happy as well. It's a blessing either way. But the city has 12 gates. It has walls. Well, why does it need walls? Well, we're going to see a little bit further. The gates never close. They're always open. But we also see on these walls are the names of the apostles. The, wall, the, the apostles' names are on the wall. Why? Why are their names on the wall? And again, it's a representative of the dwelling of the church. The walls are made out of jasper. That is, they, they look a dark red. And the gates, well, we continue to read and we see the gates are made out of pearl. It would be a very beautiful description to think of that city and the city walls. The city is described as four square. Now to imagine walls this high, I can't do it. But I've said before, and I've done my measurements, and, and I've done it more than once, and you can tell where I did it, because when I was looking at it, I was looking at a map, and I was measuring it out, and it's like, so the distance of the walls, and its width, and its um, length, and its height are all four square, and it's 1,200 stadia, which is 1,380 miles, 1,380 miles. That's the distance from Jacksonville, Florida, to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now again, is that literal or not? Uh, I don't know, but it's an amazing thing to think about. Such walls and such a place in which God has prepared for his people, his saints. In the foundation of the city is every kind of jewel. That's what the text says. Revelation 21, 19 to 21. Every kind of jewel. So you imagine all the things that we take as precious and rare in here will not be there. Everything will be glorious. It will be a wonderful dwelling. And that's the picture we get here in Revelation. We get the picture here of the streets being made of gold like glass. And that's a beautiful thing to think of. I really hope it's like that. Uh, but if it's not, it'll be better than that. And so I have that hope in this. The, the very picture here of this city is an amazing and beautiful and glorious one. And then we see here, as was our scripture reading this morning, that God is the light of the city. That he and the Lamb are there. And the Lamb is the, light, the, the lamp of that city. And there is no night there. Some, I've heard some say, well, I, I kind of like nighttime. 
Well, I don't think it will matter to you there what it will be like. Well, I like seeing the stars. Well, maybe you can still see the glory of stars or the glory of angels. I think it's going to be far greater than anything that we're able to see here and what God has blessed us with and all of his good creation. But the holy city is the glorious heritage. It is the eternal location of God's people and the bride of Christ. And that is a beautiful thing to think about. As we keep reading in Revelation, we see this. In Revelation 21, 24 to 27, I wanted you to look at this in a little bit more detail. It says, by its light will the nations walk. The nations. The Greek word ethnoi. It could be translated Gentiles. I've mentioned this before. The nations. Every people of every ethnicity are walking. The kings of the earth. There will be rulers there and kings of the earth who will bring glory into it. I think about that. I remember reading about an emperor in the first century of China whose tomb is inscribed in and its symbols of the Christian faith. How would that happen? A Chinese emperor become a Christian in the first century. You see how far the gospel went in the first century. That's an amazing thing to think about. And here you think about such kings. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. These are the ones that are faithful and saved, of course. Its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean. So you get this picture of a parade. Joyous event this, this, this is going to be. But nothing unclean will enter it. And so you continually get this message from John. Nothing unclean, nothing detestable, nothing wicked. No sin will enter there. And that's a message for us now to repent and turn from sin. And it's a message for us then that you will not struggle with that there. But nothing unclean will enter it, nor anything who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? I'm asking that question. I was kind of looking. I was wanting to see someone to nod their head. There we go. Thank you. I, I believe, I know, my name's written in the book of life. And I look forward to this blessing, to being in this place. We keep reading. Get to Revelation chapter 22. The details don't stop. Read here, and I want you to notice this in Revelation 22. The emphasis now on the new Jerusalem and this eternal abode is life. Isn't that what we've been promised? Christ says, I will come and give them life abundantly. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we get this beautiful picture here of that dwelling in eternal life. And so, 22 and verse 1, and the angel showed me the river of the water of life. I want to drink from that river. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river is the tree of life. We get this picture that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2. You notice that? The beginning of the Bible, the first two chapters, we read about the paradise where God has created man and made all things good. We get down to the last two chapters of the Bible and we read about this paradise that God has made where all things are good. Everything has come together. It's a beautiful picture. And so... You have the picture of this river of life, but also you have the tree of life. And with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It is there in whatever hardship and trials that you've had in this life. God wipes away every tear. He heals the nations of the things that they've endured. And what all ethnicities of people have, have been through who are faithful to God, God heals them. 
Now, that beautiful picture of life to eat from the tree of life. I love all those descriptions there. And we keep reading here verses 3, and four, three through 5. But no longer will there be anything accursed. There's the message again. There won't be anything accursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. So we will worship God in this place. They will see His face and His name and will be on their foreheads. In contrast to the beast, these are the ones who are faithful to God. And the night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp or the sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Beautiful description there. Not only will we worship God, but we read about in Isaiah 65 and other passages is that we will build and plant and live in peace. That we will be able to sit down at the table as Jesus describes, to be able to sit down at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want a part of that. Whether we automatically know each other and recognize each other in this eternal dwelling in this heavenly homeland initially i don't think it matter we will come to know each other by name we will come to that position and don't lose any hope in that either as we conclude the book of revelation we have this wonderful picture of eternal home in the new jerusalem and it concludes with a number of blessings and warnings very fitting for the scriptures and what we read of blessings and warnings. This is what we read here from Jesus. Jesus declared, Revelation 22 and verse 7, And behold, I am coming soon. Now the word soon there for take could mean I'm coming quickly at at a very immediate time. It will come suddenly like a thief, as Christ has said before. He says, "Blessed Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Keep these words. All of our reading and all of our studying, you're blessed. From the very beginning, when we started the study in Revelation, we saw in the very beginning in Revelation chapter 1, the Scriptures say, blessed are those who read it and hear it and obey it and keep it. And we see it again from the words of Christ. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly. Bringing my recompense with me. So here you've got the blessing. Now you've got a warning to repay each one for what he has done. And then he reminds them of who he is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We continue reading here in the Scriptures. We see who enters the city. We have this picture that's constantly given to us, so we want our our robes white, washed white in the blood of the Lamb. That's been the picture throughout the book of Revelation. And I cannot help but conclude that that washing in the blood of the Lamb is when we have come to faith in Christ and we've died to our sins and we bury the old person of sin and just as we read about in Colossians chapter 2 that, that Christ rises us up in the newness of life and washes away all of our sins forgives us when he raises us from baptism and that's in Colossians 2 12 and 13 and it parallels the passages we read about in grace about grace in Ephesians 2 but keep looking here at the holy city we have another blessing here Revelation 22 14 to 15 blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the wild dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Both the blessing and a warning again. I encourage you this morning, do you have God's strength? He promises to give you strength. Give you a way to endure, to observe His commands, to obey Him. You can do it. You can give your life to Christ. You can die to your old self, be buried in baptism, 
rise in the newness of life, to be committed to the gospel, to keeping these words. And then the scriptures say in Acts 2 and verse 38, that when we're baptized in Jesus' name, which is in water, according to Acts chapter 10, 47 and 48, that God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the strength and ability by His Spirit. What we've seen in our studies, and what we see as not only are we ending the book of Revelation in our study, what we're ending is a conclusion of our study essentially from Genesis, the very beginning of this year, and out in Revelation. We see the beginning and the end. We see God's purpose and His plan. We see what He wants and His goodness and what He wants for His people. And we see in the very beginning He created and He will create in the end that eternal abode. And that we also see the paradise in the beginning and the end. A beautiful thing, an amazing thing. At this time, I thought it only fitting for us to finish with the final words in the book of Revelation, the last four scriptures from Revelation 22. This is what we read here. And John writes, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies of these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. And the scripture concludes, come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that is how the Bible concludes. Will you come to the waters of life? Do you want to drink of the everlasting life that Christ promises to you? You've heard the gospel this morning. You got a full picture of the God's promises and what he offers to us to give us as far as eternal life. I hope that you want it. I hope that we all have that hope and confidence in it. We need to make things right in your life. We encourage you. We want to pray with you. We want to study with you. Whatever your needs are, we encourage you right now. Come, let's sing together.